Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden Podcast. We are your hosts. My name's Gabrielle Hakoen. And I am cult survivor, cult expert, Sadie Carpenter. In today's episode, um, uh, we're, we're talking about latest drama, as you've no doubt read in the title, with Bethany Beal with Girl Defined and several of her other different Girl Defined adjacent endeavors. There has been some developments. There have been some developments. First and foremost, Bethany has pivoted sharply into a lot more explicit sex advice and rebranded herself as a Christian marriage sex expert. She's also made some claims about her, the business side of her Instagram. She works smart. We're getting into all of that today. Yeah, and there's been I don't know if like I don't, I I guess I guess you'll find out how we feel about um about this stuff when we get into it. Uh or at least I I have some feelings about the discourse surrounding this that are more related to that than how I feel about any of the stuff that Bethany Beal is saying, but we're going to get into that. Oh, before I do the whole spiel, I just want to uh, make a note of something. We were recently made aware that some of you have been getting political ads on your show. This isn't something that we have control over. Uh, We've tried turning the entire ad category of political ads off um, and, and just rejecting that 
fully, but that doesn't work for every single ad, especially like locally targeted ones, because the people who are buying those ads aren't necessarily it's it's a whole complicated thing. Um, we just want you guys to know that if you hear a political ad on our show, that doesn't mean that we endorse whatever candidate or views that that candidate might have or that we've sold an ad spot to that candidate. Um, and we want to say thank you guys so much for understanding that. We do have everything that is properly categorized as a political ad completely turned off, but we don't get approval of every single ad that runs on our show. And we some some get through because they're categorized differently. Yeah. Uh, so thank you guys so much for understanding. That's not uh, our intention. That's not our doing. Cool. Glad, glad we could clear that up. Anyway, before we get into the meat of our episode, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult. The cult that she was raised in, we talk about this cult, we talk about other cults, we talk about religion, we talk about fundamentalism, we talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole, and it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show... Uh, then there's numerous things that you can do to support us. Biggest thing that you can do is you can join our Patreon, where we're going to have an extended and uncensored and ad-free version of today's episode that is going to go up on the Patreon. Also, Patreon episodes come out a couple of days early, so you can listen to it over the weekend if you don't want to wait until Monday to get it. Additionally, you can join our Facebook group and our subreddit. Both of those are called Eden Exodus. Eden Exodus. E-D-E-N-E-X-O-D-U-S. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, fantastic place to have discussion with other listeners of the show about anything from religion to your own deconstruction experiences to you know sharing memes and just thoughts about the content of the show. It's a pretty fun group and... It's a lot of great discussions that we have in there. You can also uh, just share the show with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your enemies, anyone who you think would like it. That also helps us out. Without further ado, it is time for us to thank our patrons. We have four I Gave It All to Your Patrons. Your names are Kathleen Moncrief, Melora King, Melissa Mosley, and Todd Dale on behalf of his lovely deconstruct arena of a wife, Madeline Antrim. Thank you guys so much for contributing to our Patreon at the I Gave It All tier. Unbelievable stuff. Thank you so much to the I Gave It All patrons. We also have Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. Your names are Alex P., Allie Allen, Autumn of Our Discontent, Brittany, Chrissa, Dan the Trans Man, Dora J., Eleanor Donahue, Hannah Ross, Hannah Montana, Hoosier X Fundy, Hope Norum, Horton, Here's a Shane, Janine Collin, Jen Kaharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna, Kat Henwood, Kate Terwee, Kristen Marie, Leaving Eden's Christmas Ho Ho Ho, aka Sadie's BFF Morgan, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Madeline Antrim, Madeline Cusick, Marlena Stuve, Marsha Millard, Mary Williams, Mary Martin, Megan Arendt, Melissa. Rob the Methodist, Stephanie Johnson, Steve and Amy, Susie, Tara McNamara, and as always, Wes the Cowboy. Thank you guys for contributing to the Faith Promise Missions tier of our Patreon. 
Yeah. Thank you so much to our I Gave It All tier and Faith Promise Missions tier patrons, to everybody who supports us at any tier on Patreon, and to all of our listeners who support us in non-financial ways, like subscribing on your podcast platform, sharing us with friends and family, keeping our Facebook group active and positive, posting about us on social media, all of those things add up into us having the platform that we have. And we are so thankful. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys very much for the contributions. Sadie, do you want to hit us with the TW? Sure thing. In general, we talk about a lot of potentially triggering topics on this show, including but not limited to suicide and mental health, racism, misogyny, PTSD, and PTSD symptoms, child abuse, mental, physical, and sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will mention at least a few of these topics, but we try really hard to avoid graphic detail unless it's necessary for the story we're telling in that particular episode. And if we are going to give any kind of graphic detail, we will give you the audience a heads up before we go into detail so that anyone who needs to skip can skip. This episode contains PG-13 discussion of sex and sexuality, discussion of evangelical views on sex, sexual coercion, and brief discussion of marital rape with no um, triggering details. Do you want to, what do we want to start with? Do we want to start with the Bethany Beal sex stuff or do we want to start with the... um... Okay, let's talk about her pivot into what she might call sex positive content, what we might call partially sex positive content. Yes. Okay, yeah. So why don't I give a little bit of a summary? Um, Yeah, so we're going to do, yeah, okay, so we'll do the sex stuff first and then we'll do like the business stuff in the next segment and then just kind of i don't know i had some general thoughts about fundy snarking in general to go towards the end of the episode and maybe that's where i'll put those you have thoughts i want to hear your thoughts okay i'm not 100 percent sure i'll agree with all of your thoughts but i do want to hear you out so a little before thanksgiving bethany beal started up a new instagram account called the intimate wife uh you can find this on i think it's at the intimate wife on instagram in this instagram account she gives marriage and sex advice specifically directed at christians or her brand or her branch of evangelical christians since she's done this the snarkers um have kind of gone ballistic i've been seeing people in the fundy snark and the fundy snark and censored subreddits especially kind of going nuts with all of the stuff that she's been posting. You know, they, I, I feel like people have parsed through every detail of everything that she's said in order to find something salacious. But on the other side of that, when they find something that she says that's actually helpful, it also feels like people are going ballistic and calling her a hypocrite. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I have like, I have an example here. Bethany Beal publicly comes out and says that oral sex is okay in a Christian marriage and cites the Song of Solomon in order to do so. Which would be the correct citation. Yes. To us normies, like, I mean, I I, I wouldn't need the Bible to tell me that oral sex is okay. <laughs> but if you're the kind of person that needs to, you know, if you're the kind, you remember that uh, quote where that's the moment when I realized my dad really needs to keep reading the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. If you're that kind of person, 
I guess maybe like this could be helpful to you. To, like, because to us normies, this seems pretty milk toast. But to the types of people who would actually be listening to Bethany, some of them probably need to hear this. Some of her audience, I think, are people who need that sort of permission or justification in order to do something. She then says that she's going to do an interview with somebody about oral sex and asks for anonymous submissions. What do the snarker boards have to say about this? Like, I'm seeing quotes on here where somebody said somebody should ask her about God honoring gobbling, which did make me laugh. (laughs) That is a unique turn of phrase. God honoring gobbling. The title of the Reddit post about this, though, was Bethany's oral sex era is real and it's coming unlike her. I mean, maybe this seems a little bit innocuous, but it gets a little dicier. About a week ago, Bethany Beale publicly stated that anal sex is not forbidden by the scriptures and that people have the freedom to decide what is right for them. So I don't know if people listening, maybe I think a lot of our audience probably understands this, but a lot of the people listening to this or a lot of the people doing the snarking, I don't think understand the degree to which Bethany is going out on a limb here and saying this publicly. I do think it's a fair point that she is really putting herself out there to say things that should be said within the evangelical Christian community and that it is it is a big deal that she's coming out and saying these things. So about a year ago, I remember we had an episode where we talked about Paul and Morgan's sex content. And one of the things that we clowned them very heavily for was Paul especially used metaphors like the yard is big, but he never went into specifics about it. Um, And I think I went back, I went back and I pulled my quote from this because I wanted to be sure about what I said this, but this is what I said a year ago. Honestly, if they really went for it and really were willing to give this sort of advice and were well-reasoned and were well-reasoned with it and it was good advice, I think that a lot of the snarkers would back off because they'd run out of things to criticize them for or they'd just fall back on Paul's eyebrows move around a lot. He's so smug, lazy criticism, which you, if you ask me, is pretty boring. During that same episode, I think we criticized Girl Defined for being milk toast and not giving their followers any real clarity on what is or isn't okay before marriage and what is or isn't okay during marriage because they seemed a bit shy and embarrassed to talk about the topic in explicit detail. We speculated, and I think we reiterated this recently when we were talking about, I think maybe in the New Year's episode. When we were talking about Christian influencers and how they don't talk about sex in any specific detail, because if you're only allowed to have sex with one person in your whole life, then if you suggest anything or talk about anything in detail, then people will take this as an open admission that this is what you do and this is what you're into, which ironically is exactly what the snarkers do whenever Bethany goes into any explicit detail. Yeah, and going into detail about what specific things you enjoy with your current partner, especially for people in monogamous relationships, is pretty taboo in our society as a whole. I mean, and it should be. There is a whole conversation that can be had about like informational consent, where you don't want to say, this is what I do with... Right, because you could be violating your partner's consent if they didn't want that to be shared with your 
massive online audience. And you can potentially be violating the consent of the people who are listening or reading your content if they didn't know what level of detail they were getting into. The thing is that actually giving explicit advice or saying this thing is okay is a taboo within Bethany's community as well. And this gives me the post-fundamentalism ick for a very specific reason. I find it very presumptuous because to me as a post-fundamentalist, when Bethany comes out and gives this explicit detail that we were saying Paul and Morgan really should, but when Bethany does it, the vibe that I get is you think you're allowed to break this taboo in your own community. And that kind of that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, it, it rubs me the wrong way in the same way that Jana Duggar or Claire Duggar wearing pants rubs me the wrong way. I've talked about this, right? Like you want the benefits of still being in this religious community. You want the ways in which it benefits you, but you also want to have your freedom in other areas. And it bugs me because when I was in I was all the way in. And I think it's more of a personal, like this is a me problem. This is my personal criticism rather than something that should be something rather than something more broad. I just feel like Bethany wants the benefits of being an evangelical Christian woman in her community, but she also thinks she's entitled to break the rules and taboos of her community. And from my perspective as somebody who did that life very differently than she is doing it, it feels annoying because <clears throat> why can't you be all in? And But I, I hmm. recognize what you were saying about that being potentially a hypocritical take on my part because I was, I did say about Paul and Morgan, you should be, you should actually give advice. You should not just say the yard is big. For some reason, when Bethany does it, that's the gut reaction that I get, and it bugs me. Hmm. I think that's fair, especially because the version of fundamentalism that you were raised in is so about the rules. They're like that. I think that maybe I see it differently because I was raised in a religious tradition that while there are people who adhere to that level of orthodoxy. I grew up in a version of it that had been reformed and liberalized so many times throughout the centuries that that things, you know, that that's fine. Like I knew people that grew up in the community that I grew up in that were just like I'm Jewish and I eat pork, that's fine and no one really had a problem with it. You know, yeah. as as like an example. <clears throat> Well, my feelings my feelings are valid because they are my feelings and they don't hurt anyone and I'm allowed to feel my own feelings, but that doesn't mean that my feelings are right <laughs> or the only correct answer. The thought that I have about this is that what I mean, we have some we have many people who are listeners to our show. I guess I don't even know if I would call Bethany a fundamentalist at this point, but she's very like, you know, e- very evangelical. Well, it's hard to know because she doesn't post theology. But when we talk about how did 
these things get changed. Well, over the years and over the years and over the years, people said, I don't want this to be taboo anymore. I'm going to talk about it. And that's how society generally becomes liberalized. There isn't just some edict from on high that says, this is okay now. You can do this. And everyone's like, hooray, we can do this now. It's people that kind of have to push that from the ground. And there's people who, you know, we hear and say that, you know, this branch of evangelicalism should be done away with and everybody who's a part of it should just leave. But there's also people who actually get something out of it. And those people just want a version of that that is easier for them to live with on the day to day life. Who are we to say these people don't deserve to be able to have that? That's kind of my thought. Right. And that's when we that's when we really get into ethics questions about religion right i think that um eventually because we have a plan we're going to talk about real housewives of salt lake city we're going to do we were going to do one episode about that because mary cosby is a cult leader but since sadie started watching it we're going to do an episode about the deconstruction that goes on within that um i know for sure that we're going to have a whole segment where we talk about how lisa barlow is a practicing mormon and she owns a tequila company um yeah i don't get that <laughs> she's mormon 2.0 they talk about it uh yeah. I, I look i know we have a few listeners who are current members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints if there are any of y'all who have also seen real house real housewives of salt lake city please write to me and explain mormon 2.0 because i actually want to understand this (laughs) like not even in a snarky way i genuinely would like to to get a picture of what this is sorry that wasn't that was a rabbit hole no but it was that's a valuable conversation to have about why people might feel this way like because i when i saw this i was like whoa she is putting herself out there yeah, and she really she really is and part of me wants to respect it and part of me feels like she is making her own rules and still wanting the benefit of being a person who follows the rules. I went to see what the snarkers had to say about this. Let's see. So they called her Beth Anal, which once again, funny burn but also like Here's a comment that has more than 500 upvotes on Reddit. And I quote from this user who says, This timeline, man, it's just dot, dot, dot. The entire world was insane enough. And now we got dry bones talking about her dry butt. I can't with this anymore. And here's a response to that that has 150 upvotes. Isn't she on the raw milk train? If so, her butt is probably not dry. I th- like I really just think that it's so ironic that these fundy snarkers are freaking out that Bethany is talking about anal because so many of them just live all the way up inside her asshole. Like the the number of people on the snark boards talking about how gross it is that Bethany is going to start oversharing about anal adventures to me, I just feel like you consume her content voluntarily. If you don't want to hear Bethany Beale talk about sex, then find something better to do with your time. It like it's because it's not news. 
it's not like there's an upcoming election and everything you watch on TV or the internet or all of your social media is going to be blanketed with targeted ads for like lube starring Bethany Beale from Girl Defined. So I do disagree with you here on the, you know, the dry butt and raw milk comments. I think if someone is publicly proclaiming their commitment to poor hygiene or dangerous foods that can make you sick, it's okay to poke fun at them for that. We all look, all of us girls, we all have our gross girl tendencies, but you don't hear me talking about mine on the podcast. And it's not because I don't have them or because I'm particularly ashamed of my gross girl tendencies. It's because this is a public space and what I say is material for criticism and pushback. And if I would like to not receive criticism and pushback for my gross girl tendencies, all I have to do is not share it on the podcast. Wait, what are her unhygienic? I believe that she has talked about not being super committed to showering every day. Oh, I mean, that's like, whatever. I mean, mean, yeah, but combined, never mind. I mean, if she's going to be talking about oral and anal and goodness knows what, that gets a lot more iffy for me. Sure. I don't know. It's just like, I mean, humans went thousands and thousands and thousands of years without showering every day. Yeah, and a lot of Um, people died. That's true. (laughs) From cholera (laughs) dysentery. That's very true. But now we have antibiotics, so everything's fine. Uh (laughs) Oh no, I, I do think that's fair. I think that just maybe, or growing up in a city where people do all sorts of weird diet trends has kind of desensitized me to it. Like, I know that people, like, I personally know people who think that you can cure eczema and alopecia without apple cider vinegar. Sure. Or, like, one time I had a roommate who told me that canola oil causes cancer and that coconut oil is the best thing for you. That's probably true. No, Do I care enough to quit using canola oil for stuff? No. Um, but is it probably true? Yes. Canola oil is fine. You can keep using it as long as you want. It's not going to kill you. Yeah, the part about coconut oil being super, super good for you is not all that true. Like the th- I just don't think people understand the degree to which Bethany Beale is hanging herself out here by publicly telling women that anal is okay. Like Bethany is going to, she's going to go to church on Sunday where people talk. People know that's Bethany Beale from Girl Defined. People from her church follow her on Instagram. Yeah. They know who she is and they're going to talk and they're going to be speculating about her personally and what she gets up to with her husband. And they're going to be making snide remarks. And depending on what kind of church she goes to, how either fund, I guess we don't know how fundy she is exactly as far as like doctrinally, but if it's fundy in general vibes, then it might even be a situation where the pastor might say some digs about her from the pulpit. Like after she posts that, the pastor might do a whole sermon on how evil, the evils of sodomy. Yeah. So I will I will concede that to you from this first half that <clears throat> she is going way out on a limb by saying stuff that does need to be said. How I I do I don't think it's completely unethical to make fun of her while she's saying it. I uh, I guess I don't know I think that and I think I'm gonna have some thoughts about the limits of that later 
in this episode. Um, but I want to move on because about a month ago, Bethany announced that she was going to do like a whole sex workshop about being a confident wife. Sadie and I discussed the possibility of her attending, not me. I wasn't going to attend this. And like talking about what she says in the workshop, which I guess was like a Zoom thing that you got to pay some money to get. It was like $25 to get the link to or something. But as it got closer, we kind of decided that us crashing a private workshop of Christian women who want sex advice, which is a topic that people get shamed for talking about so that we could make fun of them, wasn't really something that we wanted to do. Somebody on Reddit decided that they wanted to attend this and they took screenshots and they posted them on the internet. And I read the whole post. And quite honestly, the only thing that was remotely even snarkable from this workshop was that Bethany read some Luke Bryan lyrics, which is only snarkable if you don't like Luke Bryan. I know I'm going to get shredded for saying this, but I think Luke Bryan has some bops. I don't know about the specific song that Bethany was talking about, but... So I did not see this Reddit post. Did the person only post screenshots of Bethany that didn't show like anybody else who was present on the Zoom call? No one else got showed. They okay, said that fine. there was like eight people there. Okay. I guess if you're Bethany, that's like 200 bucks. So Yeah, and that makes me really glad that we didn't try to crash it because it would have been even more obvious. Well, I felt like anything Bethany said in this workshop in this workshop could potentially be fair game for talking about or even snarking on. But I was really worried that this was going to be a Q&A from the audience thing. Like Christian women who are genuinely believing that they're in a marriage specific, like women only space and asking vulnerable questions. And I didn't want to run the risk of us covering it because I didn't know what was going to go on in this workshop. And I wouldn't want to run the risk of attendees feeling exposed by our coverage of the event. Like, I don't want some random Christian woman who went here to get genuine advice with genuine questions, who is trying to break free from some of the chains that purity culture has put on her to wake up and see that we covered it and then get that horrible sick feeling of like, did they put my name in there? Did they put my question in there and have to listen to our episode and be, have that anxiety of like, what did they say about me? Because this hypothetical woman is not, is not Bethany is not a public figure. And I would never want to put somebody through that. I also, of course I'd rather people get sex advice to try to break purity culture from outside the fundamentalist or evangelical sphere and I'd maybe rather rather them get sex advice from someone other than Bethany but if she's their only if she is someone's only lifeline out of this I don't want to blow that up because I would risk them going back to having no lifeline and actually I think Bethany is better than nothing genuinely I, I really do think that the technique that I believe she has been using is she will put an ask me questions on her Instagram, like the the thing that you can fill in on her Instagram story, mm-hmm. and then she'll answer them during the workshop or during like an IG live. I mean, it's kind of like the thing if if you had actual sex ed in school and you didn't grow up Christian where they don't have sex ed in the school, then there was always a thing where you would write down your question and put it in the the jar and the teacher would read them and we'd always write something like why is my 
green and sign the name of somebody who was the who like in your class you hated and we'd ask like joke <laughs> questions and stuff and you have to like try to i mean we, we all did that but bethany's trying to do that for real for people who actually want information about this and i feel like all the snarkers are people who are writing in the why is my green question i have a lot of criticism for bethany i do not like her i do not trust her motives however if she is the only from from what i have seen of her actual content if she is the only lifeline somebody has to any kind of sex ed i do think she's better than nothing yeah and my other thought on this is that if you're in a culture where you're shamed for talking about this and you go into a place where you think is going to be a safe space for talking about this even within that culture and then somebody from outside the culture kind of paratroops in and makes fun of you for asking the questions that you're going to ask it's like you know you can't win either way well it's the concept that we talk about with soul winners right yeah i don't blame anybody with religious trauma if you just can't open the door for people who are outdoor knocking, whether they be Mormon missionaries or IFB people out soul winning or whoever, religious people coming to your door. If you just can't handle open the do- opening the door, I totally respect it. If somebody gets in your face in public and you are not able to be super nice and you tell them to F off, I don't blame you. It, it's your religious trauma. It is not your fault. But I always advocate for those of us who can, those of us who have enough healing behind us, those of us who truly feel able to do so, to be nice, especially to women and especially to very young people who are out doing soul winning type activities. Because people who gave me bottles of water and snacks and people who were nice to me really helped my deconstruction and really changed the way I thought about people in the outside world. Um, So I Again, I don't blame anybody who is not in a place right now or not in a place today where you can go out of your way like that to be kind to somebody. It is not your fault. But I always advocate those of us who can do so, should do so, because we could really make a difference for somebody. And this is the same concept. The people who are reaching out to Bethany for advice, we don't want to be meaner to them than we have to be. We don't want them to feel like the outside world is completely antagonistic because that can hinder somebody changing their mind. That was an excellent point. I think you said that very well. Before we go to break, I want to read one last post from Bethany Beal on her Intimate Wife Instagram page. This is a post titled, Why I Ignored the Advice to Give My Husband Sex Whenever He Wants It. So Bethany writes, I clearly remember being at a wedding shower and the married women telling the bride-to-be, say yes as much as possible, only reserve your no for when you really need to say no. I didn't think much of it at the time. Looking back now, as a married woman of five years, I hate that advice. I'm so over the way many Christians talk about sex and the advice that's given to new brides. Advice like that perpetrates the idea that sex is for men, and if you don't give it to them, they'll fill in the blank with something bad. Sex is 100% for both the husband and the wife. Sex should be 100% pleasurable for both the husband and wife. 
Sex should be filled with great meaning for both. Sex should be a mutually intimate and meaningful experience for both. And that brings us to the word intimacy. Christians, above all, should understand the beauty and depth and meaning of intimacy. A deep, raw, vulnerable knowing. Not just bodies rubbing together. Not just a person to meet your needs. A person you get to share the most intimate places of your heart and soul with. A person you get to know and love a way nobody else does. Where is the meaning in just saying yes because he wants a release? A husband who just wants to use his wife to get off is not experiencing any form of intimacy. A wife willingly helping her husband get off to prevent uh, any potential fallout is not experiencing true intimacy. I don't say yes as much as possible to my husband, and he never asks me just to say yes. We create meaning, connection, and authentic knowing in our intimacy. Neither of us has a desire to use the other. We desire to know the other at a heart level. True intimacy is worth it. Opening up the raw and real parts of your heart is worth it. Experiencing true meaning with every touch is powerful. It's so, so, so worth it to create this kind of connection. I saw this. I think this is very interesting. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Because when we read Created to Be His Helpmeet by Michael and Debbie Pearl, their advice was never say no to your husband. Their, Their advice was if you ever say no to your husband, he will cheat on you and it's your fault. This is the line of thinking that was echoed by Lori Alexander. It's prevalent in the IFB and the IBLP. Well, maybe her language is not the language that I would choose to, to say this. Bethany Beale is dispelling this advice. Note that she's not doing it by talking about consent, because I expect using that terminology and that framework would be considered to be too woke for the type of woman who would expect to get sex advice from Bethany Beale, but she's doing it by talking about trying to build intimacy and build a stronger uh, christian marriage uh okay but would it would the terminology of consent also be too woke for bethany beale personally i think so probably the way that the way that you phrased that made it sound like well bethany would probably use the word consent if it wouldn't piss off her audience and i don't know if that's what you meant to say but i don't think that's accurate i think Using the language of consent is too woke for Bethany also. Yes. Just, and that's, that. my take is based on evidence or lack thereof, um, because there is nothing else in her content that would make us think that she would use the language of consent versus not consent or enthusiastic consent if she could without making her audience mad. I agree with what you said there. Like I, I'm, I'm thinking back to when we reviewed Paul and Morgan's video last year. Um, they had a video called "Popular Sex Advice That We Reject." We discussed one in particular, where in response to a piece of advice, Morgan said the, the piece of advice was, "You do not owe your partner sex. Nobody owes sex to anybody." Morgan's advice was, "If you're not Christian, you do not understand what it means to love selflessly." And we had a huge problem with this because it seemed to us like Morgan was saying, if you are not submitting to your husband whenever he wants it, then you do not truly love him. But you wouldn't understand that if you're not a Christian. Now, Bethany here is 
saying the opposite and using the same sort of like Christianese framework that Morgan was using, where she was basically saying, if you, you know, you have to give him what he wants, otherwise you don't love him selflessly. Where Bethany's saying, well, no, that's not actually contributing to the love, the intimacy part of it. And I think that it would be hypocritical of me to not acknowledge that. Sure. If the bar is, let's not advocate marital rape uh, and sexual coercion, let's actually say that those are not good things. If that's the bar, the bar is in hell. But (sighs) I agree with you that Bethany has somehow passed this particular test. As far as, and, and I guess we're talking about ethics here, where like we would like for Bethany Beale to be talking about consent. That would be great. We would love for evangelical Christian culture to accept consent in a way that it hasn't. Yeah, but saying let's not do marital rape is is a step on that path, and that is good. Not you. I, I think that we can't come after Lori Alexander or Debbie and Michael Pearl for teaching that it's never okay to say no, and we can't come after Morgan Oligus for saying that if you truly loved your husband, you would submit, uh, and then clown Bethany Beale for giving sex advice to Christian women when she's the one saying the opposite. Because like every snarker that you see on the internet and and that you talk to, if you talk to them about how bad fundamentalism is. The first two things that are going to come out of their mouth is going to be, well, fundamentalism is bad to women or fundamentalism is bad to LGBTQ people. And on the LGBTQ stuff, I don't think Bethany's really doing anybody any favors on that. But the repressiveness is the number one reason, justification that they will use for why it's okay for them to snark like they do. I don't know if Bethany is addressing the number one problem. I mean, she's addressing it, but not in like, it's not the way that we would or any of us would. But I think that she has the ear of her audience in a way that none none of us could ever get if that was the tack that we were using. So here's I'm I'm not going to disagree with your idea on this one. I just want to balance the other side of the scale. Go for it. So you said it. Bethany is still not teaching enthusiastic consent in the way that we would like her to. My balance idea is that this does not actually have to be a situation where we expect her to teach this exactly the way that we would, or else she is still evil and bad. So I think you're on the right track. This does not have to be a black and white thinking situation. This can be somewhere where we acknowledge the forward progress that she has made and that she is attempting to make within her community and still criticize where she falls behind. I think because she's a public figure, we can make a fair criticism of her work without expecting the end result to be she is all good and perfect or she is all bad and evil. So I want to tell you a little family story about my grandpa and his brother, Billy. And I promise I'm going somewhere with this. I haven't done like a long rambling story that has a point in a while. I'm really excited for this. I'm excited too. Sadie's uh, memory corner. My grandpa was one of five boys. The names are going to get really confusing here. So their, their given names were William, James, Charles, George, and Billy. So first, first thing, yes, there is a William and a Billy given names in the family. 
But none of them except for Billy ever went by their given names. So William was William Edward, and he went by Edward. James was James Clifford, and he went by Clifford. My grandpa was Charles Ray, and he went by Ray. Uh, George, for some reason, went by Jiggs. I don't know how he got that name. Is this a Southern thing? Yeah. That people go by their middle names? Okay, interesting. Yeah, so they all went by their middle names. Um, Actually, all four of my grandparents went by some permutation of either like hyphenated first and middle name or only their middle name or something different. None of my grandparents had a first name and a middle name and only went by their first name. Nobody does that in my family. This is a culture that gave us uh, James Robert Duggar is abbreviated to Jim Bob. Jim Bob. Yeah. (laughs) And this is the side of my family that is originally from Arkansas. The names that they went by were Edward, Clifford, Ray, Jiggs, and Billy. So Charles Ray was my grandfather, and that's who Charlotte is named after. Uh, My grandpa was the middle child of the five brothers, and Uncle Billy was the youngest brother. Uncle Billy died a long time before I was born, but he was a character, and I've heard a lot of great stories about him, especially his sibling relationship with my grandfather. So it seems like As all five boys came into adulthood, Uncle Billy really loved to cook. And he got really into like gourmet and fancy cooking. My papa was also a fantastic cook. And papa, being the older brother here, liked to pick on his baby brother about his cooking. So papa would, (laughs) one thing he would do, so Uncle Billy would make um, he, he made a salad and he had put croutons in the salad and Papa would pretend like play dumb. He would pretend to be really dumb and he'd come up to this amazing salad that Uncle Billy made and he'd start loudly talking about, oh, this salad just looks delicious, but somebody's thrown all this old stale bread in there. <laughs> <laughs> like Papa knew what croutons were. He yeah. was just picking on, he's picking on his baby brother. Another thing that Papa would do is he would eat something elaborate and delicious that Uncle Billy had made, and he would start it off as a compliment, and Billy, this gumbo was just delicious, but do you know what could have made it a little bit better? And he'd come up with some ridiculously tiny nitpick. You should have just had one more bay leaf in there, or something. So it was obvious that he was joking, but not right. Like- but it drove Uncle Billy crazy because he was the baby brother and he like couldn't take the joke. And it was this, it was this big family joke. It was just it was very much Papa's personality. Um, well, you know, my dad was kind of a prankster, kind of a joker, yeah. and Papa could very much be that way. I know. It's just when it gets to criticism like this, I'm like wondering, is this like a jokey fun like Southern thing or is this the thing that... So (laughs) everybody else thought it was a hilarious joke. Uncle Billy thought, Ray, why can't you stop being so stupid and just appreciate what I made? Because Uncle Billy had a hot temper. I mean, this sounds really like I. this would piss me off. This would really bother me. But it's, it's sibling rivalry. You know, it's normal... I'm messing with my brother. We have the same thing in in my family. Um, My dad's side of the family is just like that. Like everybody gets to be, everybody gets to pick on somebody and everybody is eventually the person who gets picked on. It's very equitable. And like you just, it's never going to be something truly mean spirited, but everybody gets their turn. There's just something we 
everybody gets picked on for something. So it's a it's like a family culture thing. Anyway, Papa always had, you know what could have made it just a little bit better? And then he got so in the habit that when we lived next door to him and we were feeding him dinner every night at our house, he would do it to us too. If my mom or I cooked dinner, if my dad cooked dinner, he would still, you know what could have made this just a little bit better? And it was like his catchphrase. So I do hear you when you say that Bethany is trying to fix or improve the evangelical teachings about sexuality. And I hear you when you say that her content is not as horrific and sex negative and coercion positive as somebody like Debbie Pearl or the transformed wife. But the balance for me is it is public content. She's out there working, trying to make a name for herself. And I don't think it's unallowable for us to come behind and say, you know what could have made this just a little bit better? I think we're allowed. I also think Bethany is kind of pulling a Josh Harris here. She's trying to fix the system, but she materially contributed to the brokenness of the system. And it's okay. That's an okay thing to do. It's okay to change your mind. But Bethany is missing, in my opinion, a key part of that formula. And that part is an apology. I believe that I've been really open about my feelings since leaving fundamentalism. My contribution to that bad system may have been smaller than other people's contribution, but I still feel morally obligated to make an apology for what I did contribute. I don't think I get to go around being an advocate for LGBTQ people's rights and safety and inclusion without making an apology for the ways that I contributed to the system that is trying to remove their rights and safety. And that apology seems to be what Bethany is not willing to do. Even in her most recent sex and marriage content, she's still abundantly clear that she doesn't approve of extramarital sex or of LGBTQ relationships or sex. And here's the take that I think might surprise people. I'm not super upset that she's specifying that she thinks extramarital sex is not good. It's That's her niche. It's who she's speaking to. All of these Christian women that she is trying to reach also believe that sex should only happen within a heterosexual marriage. I think it's a bigger issue that she's going out of her way to say that LGBTQ sex is a sin because it's not her niche. It's a reasonable disclaimer for her to make that she only wants people to use her sex tips once they are married. Because it would totally be possible for an unmarried heterosexual woman to stumble upon her page. And that's a reasonable disclaimer for her to make. It is not nearly as likely that a random LGBTQ person is going to stumble upon her page and want to consume her sex content and use her sex tips. The only reason that she needs to single out LGBTQ people in her captions, in her comments, is to dog whistle. It's okay to listen to me, folks. I'm still a bigot. No danger here. So that specifically strikes me as problematic, but not just because she hates LGBTQ people. I think there's a deeper reason. Two things about that. First is that if somebody had said, you know what I think would make this a little bit better, I would probably say if the next word isn't absolutely nothing, then you're not eating. Yeah, but if my grandpa would have done it, you would have let him because he was he was an adorable like little five foot eight 
very old man. The first few times I would have thought it was funny. After that, I would have said, next thing out of your mouth better be nothing at all or you're out on the street. I don't know. Maybe I just I just get set off by people being really perfectionist about stuff or people nitpicking as their personalities. I You grew up in the South. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest where people are just professional haters. Like that's just people's entire personality is how do I make myself feel like I'm better or smarter than everybody else by just hating on something that's put in front of me um, just to show that I could have done it better. Yep. I think that it's very much of not even Southern culture, but a family culture thing. Because in in the family I grew up in, that is expected and acceptable as a expression of love and an expression of appreciation for what you cooked. The, the second thing, though, I think the as much as we do not approve bigotry and hatred against LGBTQ people on this show, and as much as I th- like, I think that whatever you think of the people who believe that. I think that they deserve content about sex and sex advice that does not promote marital rape or coercive sex. That is kind of the way that I'm trying to sum it up. I think bigoted women also deserve to live a life free of sexual violence. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm with you on that. I still think Bethany needing to explicitly call it out is unnecessary. With the way that media is right now and the way that a lot of things are right now, there is so much from that side, like the fear of the wokeness. So you have to be sure that you distinguish yourself. It's like the approved versus unapproved sources. So in order for something to be an un- to be an approved source of information, they have to toe that line. That's absolutely a problem with uh, evangelical culture, with Christian like Christian fundamentalism. So, and that is definitely something that needs to be addressed. However, even until that does get addressed, I still think that the you know there's no like consequentialist ethics version of this that says, well, if they only addressed that, then these women wouldn't have to deal with spousal abuse. I, I, don't, I don't like that. I also think that if Bethany were going to teach about consent, that she would have to use entirely alternate terminology just because the language of regarding consent sounds social justice and therefore woke and therefore evil, just like how she has to call sex toys sex tools instead. Mm-hmm. See, I think I think there's a middle ground. I think it is totally okay to say good steps regarding talking about consent and also it's still bad that you hate LGBTQ people. My other thought about this is I think that for the time when we would say that Bethany was more contributing to this than maybe she is now. Um at least the the I don't know, I don't want to say that she's not uh contributing to it because I, I that maybe that's the wrong way to talk about it. I think that Earlier in the girl-defined career, a lot of it was that she was just regurgitating things that she had been taught on a different medium, which was like, you know, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Now, I think what she's coming out with is more based on original ideas. Hmm. 
I, I, I don't want to give her a pass on that stuff because I don't think it's fair to give her a pass on that stuff. But maybe I'm judging her less harshly than others would because now that I see this is what she actually has to say and this is the original ideas that she has that she's talking about. This is the thoughts that are coming out of her head. It's not my favorite, but I don't hate it as much as I hate other things that that culture has to say. Well, I think what, what we're talking all around here is black and white thinking. Which is wrong. You shouldn't do it. (laughs) This is a deconstruction topic more than anything else because it can be so tempting to black and white thinking Bethany Beale to think that either she's perfect or she's evil. And there is a lot of space between those two things. And I think this whole episode so far has been this deconstructing that black and white thinking about her and fighting black and white thinking about her. That's a good point. I would like to go to break now. Okay. Um, and then we can come back and talk about her other business ventures. Okay. doke. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. We are back from our break. We are back from our break. We are back from our break. We're talking Bethany Beal and her various business ventures. Various, indeed. So do you want me to break this next one down? Yeah. Yeah. So last year, Bethany Beal of Girl Defined Fame started a company called She Works Smart. Kind of a mouthful. She Works Smart. She Works Smart. She Works Smart. This company sells online courses and instructional materials to married Christian women, telling them that they will be able to contribute to their household income while being a stay-at-home mom. This pitch sounds kind of similar to a lot of MLM pitches. Uh, we all know the the you know be your own boss the boss babe type pitches, make money from your phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. but rather than offering a member uh, like a mentorship on how to sell products or by hawking 
like I don't know, like LuLaRoe or Herbalife or uh, Plexus, poor quality products like that. She's selling online courses on how to make and sell online courses. But more so than that, by doing this, Bethany Beal has positioned herself as the go-to person to get information from on how to make a living as a Christian social media influencer. So there's kind of a lot to unpack here. I should note that the course that she's selling costs, uh, I'm, I'm just checking it right now, on sheworkssmart.com, you can do a one-time payment of $1,900, or you can do six monthly payments of $400. I'm sorry, you said $1,900? Yeah, $1,900. Uh, less than two grand. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's more than... Um, how much is my rent? My rent's like $1,300. I was going to say that's, lo- that's more than a lot of people's mortgage if they bought a couple of years ago. Well, if you pay full price, if you pay the six monthly payments, then it's $2,400, which is a lot more than a lot of people's mortgage payments. Yeah. Um, um, a lot of money. I believe she's done various discounts over time. Yeah, I do recall seeing her mark it down um, when she's trying to sell more. So it's it seems like it's the sort of thing where, yeah, that's the price, but no one pays sticker. Yeah, which is a, a marketing strategy. It's a marketing strategy that I personally don't like, but it's effective and it's legitimate. It's a thing that a lot of companies do. Yes. Um, as far as like unethical things... Um, I wouldn't even call it unethical. I would just say I don't like it. I'm kind of with you there. I think that's annoying. I just kind of like the price being the price. Um, however, $1,900 is a lot of money for a course. And I do believe this is literally off the top of my head. I have not gone back to check this. Um, but I think I've seen it, seen her advertising it for $899. $899. Which is still a lot of money. That's still a chunk of change. Yeah. I mean, how much does a course at a community college cost if I wanted to learn? I don't know. I was going to say that's two whole therapy sessions. <sighs> yeah, that's... Uh, my insurance. <laughs> they'll take your money. Ooh, I'm sorry. That is expensive. If, if, I, if I'm maybe bending over backward to be sympathetic to Bethany Beal. If you want to be a Christian social media influencer and you want to do it for real and make money off of it, is there a better, more qualified person to show you how to do that than Bethany Beal? Because like, if we're being for real, if we look at like the Christian wife social media influencers who are out there, and there's a lot of them out there, Bethany Beal's probably the best at it. I would say within her like modern evangelical southern baptist to non-denominational niche she's the best at it yeah there are other like there are apostolic women who have huge huge social media there are a few mega catholic influencers um and there are some there are there are others but within her niche yes she's at the top of her game i i agree with you 
Especially because it's so denominational. Like you're not going to be following somebody who is very Pentecostal if you're not very Pentecostal, or if you're not Catholic, you're going to see whatever the, you know this Catholic influencer has to say. Right. If you're not Catholic, you don't care about the new veil company for covering your hair at mass that a Catholic influencer lady found or founded. Um, if you're not Pentecostal, you're not likely to follow a Pentecostal influencer because her fashion and her hairstyle choices are going to be very different from yours if you're an evangelical or a Southern Baptist or something like that. Right. And I think Bethany has done the thing where she, where the kind of Christian that she is, she, I mean, you could follow her if you're a Southern Baptist or if you're non-denominational but evangelical. I mean, if you're Methodist, but you're on the more conservative side of Methodism, then you could follow Bethany Beale and get something that was yeah. Because, like, who else is, like, Brittany Dawn is, like, now she's, I don't know what she's doing. She's trying to be, like, both political influencer, but, like, for political influencer, for people who mix crack cocaine into their Wheaties in the morning. Uh, it's called pre-workout. <laughs> uh, no, Brittany, I have not clicked on Brittany Dawn's Instagram page since we did an episode on her. I'll be honest, I didn't. I needed a break. She's she's into conspiracies and stuff. Um, I mean, Morgan Oligus, I don't know. She just, I I think that Paul is really the one that the personality that drives that page. And like Ginger Duggar could do it but ginger duggar is also an actual celebrity like she's writing books that get published by thomas nelson she's not writing ebooks that you can buy for like ten dollars on your kindle as far as bethany goes i don't like her content i I don't feel like i need to say that but i actually i do feel like i kind of need to say that because of what i'm going to say like i don't like her content i don't agree with her content i am fully aware that i am not her target audience but is she good at making it Yes, I think she is objectively. Like we haven't paid for any of her content from She Works Smart. But I've looked at what she posts on the She Works Smart Instagram. And from my point of view, I think that the things that she posts are good advice that she is giving to people in good faith. And she has several publicly available posts where she teaches people how to make like she has one where she teaches people how to make carousel posts and like infographic and in, like infographics using Canva. I think there is information on the difference between like a 501c3 and an LLC and a sole proprietorship. There's like some legitimately good advice on there. And a lot of this and I hate to say this, a lot of this is advice that I would give to somebody. Because like Sadie, since we've started doing our show, how many times have you been asked on for advice on you know, how to have a successful podcast? Quite a few. There are a lot of people who want to start podcasts. There is one piece of advice that we give to pretty much everybody asks us how to start a successful podcast. Yep. Uh, we tell them, sit down make a list of 50 to 100 topics that you would like to cover that you think your target audience would like to hear that you have something to say about. And usually we also tell people have three or four episodes or more built up and finished before you release your first episode. 
Because consistency is really a huge deal. Content is key. Like you, you can have all the flashiest social media you want, but if your content isn't where it's at, then you're not going to be. Keeping that in mind, what you said about the 50 topics, Bethany, um, and I've linked this down here, she has a Instagram post on the She Works Smart page from this past February, where she lists what she says are 20 ideas for profitable online courses that people would pay money for. And so I looked at this list and they're not flimsy. Like there are things like how to potty train, how to renovate your home on a budget, how to allergy proof your baby ages zero to six months. Like there's people that would actually pay money to learn about that topic from somebody that they felt like was an expert. It's not like how to apply a Fijian six to your daily life, you know? um, Yeah. The thing is there are already courses available. Those three things that you said, how to potty train, how to renovate your home on a budget, how to allergy proof your baby, like how to potty train tiny hood has a really popular course on that, how to renovate your home. There are like three people I follow on Instagram that do that kind of thing and how to allergy proof your baby. Um, you could do solid starts or kids eat in color. They probably both have paid content available for those things. Are they Christian though? No. True that. She makes this list of, of stuff and this is stuff that like people would pay money for these ideas. And she's kind of giving it away for free. She also like talks about writing an ebook and charging ten dollars for it, and how that netted her like two like twenty five thousand dollars. I don't know how. I don't know if she did any rounding for that. And I wonder how many of those uh, supposed twenty five hundred people who bought her ebook were snarkers who wanted to see what she had to say. The thing with Beth, like she talks about growing a social media following. She talks about, you know, things that you can do if you have a social media following to make money off of it. I want to play the audio for an Instagram post that she made, like a real, I think she also released this on TikTok, titled Three Reasons Why You're Not Selling. Can I do that? Sure, go ahead. I don't think we'll get DMCA'd. Uh, Here are the top three reasons you are not making money on Instagram. And the last one is absolutely crucial. Number one, you don't have confidence and people can tell you're embarrassed. You're kind of like, oh, I don't really know about what I have to offer. And people can tell you need to get confident in what you have to offer. You need to be passionate about what you have to sell. And that will come across. Number two, you feel bad charging for your product. You need to change your perspective and realize that selling truly is serving. If you have something that solves a problem from someone, if you have something that helps them in their life, you are serving them by giving it to them. And then you need to realize that it's just an exchange of value. They would rather have what you have than the money in their pocket. They're giving you their money because they want what you have. And number three, the biggest problem for most of you is that you actually don't have anything to sell. You spend hours on Instagram every single week and you're making zero dollars from it. Let me help you solve that problem by teaching you how to create an ebook. This is the simplest way to get started. Like hands down, you could create this literally in a few days and you could be making money by next weekend. I started selling a new ebook like seven days ago and I have already made over $3,700 from this ebook. Like that's possible for you too. Just drop a fire emoji and I'll send you a direct link to my digital product creator guide. I mean, if you listen to that video, this is like textbook stuff. The qu- the question in the title, like three reasons why you're not selling. That's a legitimate question. She does a wait till the end. She has three solid explanations and she finishes with a concrete example of something that you can do. And then she has a call to action. Like I... We'll say a lot of negative things about the brand of evangelicalism that Bethany Beale promotes. 
but you will not hear me say that I think she's a bad businesswoman. If Paul and Morgan made a how to be Christian influencers course, nobody would buy it because Morgan has no sauce and Paul is lost in the sauce. But Bethany Beal, I feel like she's out here baking a cake and then selling the box mix. And her brand is instantly recognizable, even if it is like extremely millennial coded and low key, a little bit chuggy. I remember when she's like started this thing and we were making fun of her for selling online courses about how to make and sell online courses. And like, look at her now. According to her Instagram bio on this page, she says that she made over $100,000 in 2023. People on the internet are saying those numbers are false, but I don't know. I think I disagree. I think those numbers are real. Let's let's do some math. Hold on. Because like she's got a bunch of different sources of income that she's doing because like she's selling the courses. She's selling the ebook. Does she do sponsored? Con- I don't think she does really much in the way of sponsored content. She doesn't do sponsored content. Um, she m- could have probably been making money from Instagram back when Instagram paid creators to make reels, but they discontinued that program, I think, early last year, early 2023. Um, I do not know the date. So she could have been making money from that, but wouldn't be now. Um, I divided $100,000 by 1900 and got 52.63. So she would have needed, on the course alone, she would have needed 53 people to buy the course. Okay, what if you take out the 25,000 that she says that she made off of her ebook? Okay, let's see. Yeah, like 75,000 divided by. I'm trying to unlock my phone and you're throwing numbers at me. <laughs> okay, so 75,000. <laughs> um, divided by 1900 39.47 people so if we assume that she made up that extra 850 dollars elsewhere 39 people would have had to buy her course hmm do you think that sounds plausible for 1900 dollars 1900 dollars do you know 39 people that have 1900 dollars I think that probably most of the people that buy the course don't pay 1900 dollars yeah which would mean she needs more people than more than 39 people. She works smart has 38.4 K Instagram followers at the moment. That would mean that between one and 2% of those followers bought the course. Hypothetically, if we, if we assume so mathematically, if we assume that everybody who bought the course paid between half price and full price, so between $850 and $1,900, then we can assume that 1% to 2% of her social media followers bought the course. I know about 7 to 10%, depending on platform, but uh, around 10% of people who follow us across social media pat- platforms, particularly Instagram and our Facebook group, end up subscribing to us uh, at a paid tier on Patreon. However, none of our Patreon tiers cost $1,900. No. <laughs> um, or $400 a month. $400, I mean, but $400 a month, but you only get six months. But the knowledge lasts a lifetime. I think that probably some people bought her course. I think some people bought her course. Um because people people buy into MLMs. If you watched the LuLaRoe documentary on Prime, which I think came out in 2022, 
the LuLaRoe original investment was $5,000. People will come up with that kind of money if they believe that they're going to make it back, if they believe that it's an investment and that they can put that kind of money down, work really hard and make more than that money back. People absolutely will come up with the money and do that. Uh, This is why MLMs work. I just wonder about financial ability. I know there are like, just like in the secular world, there are people who are married to wealthy spouses who are big corporate whatevers. And the spouse has enough money to support their dependent spouse's passion project. I want to own a vintage bookstore. I want to own a little vintage clothing store. I want to be in a band or I want to do whatever. And that's not my business. If if that works for somebody's marriage, it's not something I want to snark on. There are plenty of people who do that. There are plenty of people, the spouse, one spouse makes a lot of money and the other spouse is kind of allowed to do whatever they want and run a business at a loss if they want, if, if that's the way it works out and it doesn't matter to them financially. And that's not something I really want to get involved in or snark on or anything like that. But how many of those people could really possibly follow Bethany Peel on Instagram? Uh, how many Christian wives of the particular evangelical flavor that Bethany is exist? Question mark. And for the people who are not in that kind of particular life situation, how are they going to come up with ni- between $850 and $1,900? So much money. I don't know. I've seen um I've seen people invest a lot of money into dumb things. I've seen yeah, sure. a lot of people in like throw money into cryptocurrencies at the height of cryptocurrencies. Um I have a friend who lost forty eight hundred dollars off a of GameStop pump and dump. Um, oh man. Remember that? Yeah. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I know I've seen it happen, but I'm thinking of somebody who is a stay-at-home mom for religious reasons, not because it's financially the best decision for their family or like purely religious reasons. I believe that this is what God wants me to do. Those people are not typically demographically wealthy. No. Like they're always outliers. But but the people that I went to church with growing up, the people that I know from many different churches that I have visited. I have made known out of hundreds and hundreds of families, maybe two that were really financially well off that would have 1900 bucks to sink into something like this. I don't want to, I guess we could speculate about her financial situation and how much money she actually takes in from, um, from she works smart. So if we've got a bare minimum of what did, what did my math come out to 39 people buying the course it's it's plausible it's plausible if we came up with it would have needed to be 500 people buying the course <laughs> i wouldn't believe it 39 it it's plausible i just don't think it's super likely so here's where things start to get kind of dicey in the week leading up to christmas girl defined ministries posted on instagram that they were trying to raise $30,000 by the end of the year and that they had raised between four and five thousand um, dollars since their start of their 
I guess, whatever pledge drive they were doing. The Snarkerverse descended on this post pointing out that Bethany had a business that allegedly makes her over $100,000 a year, and that if she wants $30,000 for a girl to find, then she should pay that out of the She Works Smart money. Following this, somebody leaked the girl to find financial de- uh, the financial details from 2021 because these are are publicly available. Um, and these forms showed that Girl Defined had like Girl Defined Ministries had a hundred and forty thousand dollars in revenue, but a hundred and eighty thousand dollars in expenses. About half of which was made up of Kristen and Bethany's salaries to themselves, which amounted to about forty five thousand apiece. I mean, like somebody somebody's giving a hundred and where <clears throat> where did the other forty k come from? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're operating at a loss. But like, I mean, somebody's somebody's giving one hundred and forty thousand dollars to Girl Defined, um, or or people collectively are giving one hundred and forty thousand dollars to Girl Defined, and that's like verifiable. So I guess that's like that's why I'm not so much doubting that she works smart money thing. Anyway, like one Instagram commenter had this to say, and I'm gonna read this quote. It says, "Why are you begging for money when your family brags about bringing in six figures?" and more than $10,000 a month. Maybe your whole family should downgrade from your nice houses and expensive clothing and things and donate the money yourself instead of asking people who clearly aren't making the kind of money your family claims to make. Pretty sure there's a lot in the Bible that refers to families having tons of money, bragging about it, yet not donating it. From your own sister's posts, that goal should be a drop in the bucket since y'all make $10,000 a month. To make it weirder, Girl Defined account seemingly like automates comment replies. So if you leave a comment on one of their posts that includes the word donate, it will reply to you with the comment, sent you a DM, and then DM you a fundraising link. Even even critical comments, because it's just automated. This is low-key iconic. Like, call me Lisa Barlow because I love it. This kind of like just blew up. People were all over this. And then they following this, Girl Defined makes a post congratulating their social media manager, Molly, on her wedding. But in this post, they sneak in there that Molly pretty much handles all of their communications and that they're like low key saying, if you leave a hate comment or send a mean DM, Kristen and Bethany don't see that at all. Like the only one who sees that is Molly. And I think that this kind of set off the snarkers because they had like really big feelings about this. My hypothesis is that many of them were upset that the person who they had been cyberbullying on the internet for years and years and years and years hasn't read a single one of their messages and doesn't know that they exist. Like, is there anything more demoralizing than devoting hours and hours of your life and focusing all of the negative energy that you can summon into hating somebody only to find out that they now possess the resources to completely ignore your existence? I don't know. I'm trying to imagine if Steven Anderson or Jack Scott got super, super famous. I mean, we, we can make them famous. Girl, neither one of them will ever have thousands of um, Instagram followers. And I also have to wonder what percentage of Bethany Beale's followers are people who just hate her or like snarkers. Because like I, w- I talk to people who are not at all fundy adjacent, but they know about Girl Defined. And they're like, sometimes they tell me like, sometimes I just watch Girl Defined videos because it's entertaining to me just to like see this alternate reality. 
almost as like a and vicarious isn't the right word but like i want to know how many of the people who watch these videos are people who follow her because they like her or how many of them are people who follow her because they hate her or if that even makes a difference either way see you have to wonder because that messes with the statistics that I estimated for what percentage of SheWorks smart followers would have bought Bethany's course. I don't know. It just seems like Bethany lives rent-free in these people's heads, and it's kind of pickled their brains. When I first started reading the drama and I saw all the screen-grabbed comments, I first I thought, like, with the the automated response, I thought, oh, no, Girl Defiant is responding to the trolls and haters. Like, maybe they're not cut out for this. Because if you respond to people who are leaving hate comments, you, like that's that's mistake number one. You can never do that. But the fact that they're bot responses and they have somebody on staff who they can pay to do their social media, it just feels peak to me. Like for an account that's as heavily hated as Girl Defined, if you're and as soon as they know that you're aware of their criticism, they'll come back and give you more. People on this snark board did not respond well to getting dm'd fundraising links after they left negative comments but there's like a ton of comments saying things like why doesn't bethany fund it out of the 100k that she's bragging about making to which girl defined actually did reply to this one where they said we are a non-profit ministry funded by our amazing followers all our employees are free to pursue other jobs and opportunities if so they choose if they so choose we can't expect them to finance the ministry out of their personal funds. What are your thoughts on this? I think legally that's pretty correct. It would be a it would be legal but a messier tax situation for one. If one of the members of a nonprofit company funded the nonprofit company out of personal funds from their for-profit company, Honestly, as far as this take, this response goes, I'm almost kind of with Girl Defined here. Because She Works Smart, I can assume, is either an LLC or a sole proprietorship and not probably not a 501c3 like Girl Defined is. And like She Works Smart is Bethany's solo enterprise and is a separate entity from Girl Defined. So if Girl Defined has a fundraising goal, I don't think it's reasonable to expect Bethany to tithe 30% of her income in order to meet the fundraising goal for the ministry that she runs. Like, they haven't said what the money is going to. Like, maybe they have a fundraising goal of 30000 because if they get 30000 then they can hire a certain Christian musician for their convention or they can, I don't know, have their convention in the city that they think more people would want to go to or they, like... And additionally, as we know too well on this podcast, people in the ministry and evangelicalism can often very easily be financially abused. And there's a lot of pastors of small churches out there who will forgive, pay, will forego paying themselves a salary in order to make sure that their staff gets paid and having to get a second or third job to support their family. So seeing like that don't fundraise, just pay for it yourself, miss money bags kind of feels like a, it leaves a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. But also, I don't know the financial state of Girl Defined Ministries because the they say that they have five employees now and the most recent documents that we've seen with regard to them have two employees, including Bethany and Kristen, their social media manager, and I guess two other people. So it's entirely possible that Bethany Beal is forgoing paying herself a salary or taking a pay cut in order to pay other people. Like We legitimately do not know. Just <clears throat> FYI, I wasn't able to find... I went on the texas 
Secretary of State lookup thing. And I was able to find Girl Defined registered as an LLC. I was not able to find She Works Smart. I think she just registered it. I mean, she wouldn't have had to pay taxes this year because I think it started in either late 2022 or early 2023. So she might not have had income in 2022 and had to pay 2023 taxes. She might, yeah, if she didn't have income in 2022, she would have still wanted to register as an LLC, though. I mean, if she were smart, she would have registered as an LLC. No, I agree with you that Bethany shouldn't be expected to just fund her other business out of her one business account. However, I find 180K in expenses for Girl Defined a little bit suspect. Like, where is, where is all that money going? Yeah, I don't know how you would... Is that staff salary? Because most of the products that they sell are zero inventory, like an ebook. You don't pay for inventory. You pay commission, basically, to whoever sold it for you. If it's sold on Amazon, you pay a percentage of your sales to Amazon um, when it sells. But you don't pay to have the book printed. You don't pay for warehouse space. You don't pay for shipping. Um, you don't pay for somebody to package it up and ship it. It says in the documents that she and her sister each took 45K in salary. None of our, it's also like Loki, none of our f-ing business. I don't, I, yeah, I don't have a problem. They, I think Bethany and Kristen both put a lot of time into Girl Defined. The amount of effort that you could say they put in is variable depending on what video or content they're making. Um, But they do put time into it. And I'm not one to criticize somebody for taking a salary for their time. That brings me to something that I want to talk about, which is I, I kind of feel like the word grift when it comes to Christians asking for money gets overused. Grift for me is like synonymous with fraud. Like it's like a maybe lower level version of fraud, like the kind of thing that, you know, we're Ricky from Trailer Park Boys is like, we're just going to do like a bunch of little crimes, like theft <laughs> under a thousand, you know what I'm saying? Right. But it, like, it, it could be lower level. I feel like that's the connotation, but that doesn't necessarily mean what it have to be. An accurate version of the word grift would be like Brittany Dawn asking for money to support James to get him into rehab, but it turns out the rehab is free and Brittany and Jordan are just keeping the money. Or Brittany Dawn claiming that she was giving people custom macros and exercise plans when in fact she wasn't. She's done a lot of grifting. I, I Like a grift would be like, you know, Mike Warnke and John Todd going around to churches asking for money to start a recovery program for ex-Satanists and then like right. running off with the money. <clears throat> or Alberto Rivera who did the same thing, but for ex-Catholic priests and nuns. What is not a grift is Christians asking for money to support their ministries. Aside from like, obvious prosperity gospel things where pastors are like, send me money and it will be returned to you tenfold. So you don't, but you don't think it's a grift when Jill Rodriguez is constantly asking for money to you know, fix this on the motorhome or we need this and that new printer thing so that we can continue to travel all over the country and harass different churches. Is the money actually going to the things that she says it's going to? People have questions, but it's not clear. People who are giving money to Girl to Find know what Girl to Find is and what they do. It's it's not like people giving them money are being somehow misled about what Girl to Find is and what they do. 
is my thought. And that's why I don't think that it's a grift. If they were being shady about what it was their ministry actually supports, then I would have a problem with it. Like if they were a church that branded themselves as like a progressive, like hip church for young people, but then it turns out that they actually have views that are against queer people or, you know, just like not affirming stuff like that. And they, you know, got people to give them a bunch of money because people assumed that they were cool, but then it turns out that they weren't. I would have a problem with that. I would think that's kind of grifty. But Kristen and Bethany saying, please give us money to support Girl Defined Ministries. If your life has been changed by Girl Defined Ministries, we would appreciate your support. That's not the same for me as them saying, send money to Girl Defined Ministries and you will have a happy marriage and your sex life will be excellent and none of your kids will ever rebel against you. I think that like, if you're on the snark boards and you're talking girl defined or if you're on social media and you're like tweet and and you're like leaving comments about bethany beale's butthole it's because her content has added value to your life like like it or not even if you hate bethany and Kristen and everything that they stand for you still spend hours and hours and hours consuming girl defined content and commentating on girl defined content on the internet like they don't run ads on their podcast i don't think they don't have like sponsorships they don't do affiliate marketing all of their money comes from people who want to give them money and all of these people saying like i will consume your content and i will say the nastiest things i can think of about you and when you have the gall to ask for money i'll call you a scam artist and a grifter not only that but like the the online fundies essentially support like a whole cottage industry of people who commentate on their content and it's like a whole economic ecosystem that like we're a part of sadie yeah like granted we only occasionally do fundy snark content and most of our because like most of our content is like documentary content about other but like occasionally we dip our toe in the fundy snark waters. But there's people who like legit make a living off of doing the fundy snark commentary. And some of those people probably make as much money as Bethany or Kristen make from Girl Defined. I mean, they make for sure more money than Paul and Morgan make off of their content. But like if Paul and Morgan and Girl Defined and Bethany and like j-rod stopped posting on the internet like what would these people do i would point out that content about content is something that exists far away from fundamentalism fundy snark and the religious world there are podcasts uh, many podcasts about the bachelor there are podcasts about real housewives there are podcasts about law and order their content about content is very much a thing like i used to listen to something a little more niche, this podcast called Girls on Boys, which is a commentary on the Amazon Prime show, The Boys. Content about content is very much a thing, and it's not exclusive to fundies snarking. I would also maybe push it a step further and say that if Girl Defined and Paul and Morgan and J-Rod stopped posting, someone else would pop up to take their place. You know, when Marvel runs out of shit, like runs out of Avengers to put in their movies and then the new Marvel movies suck because they don't have any good Avengers left. Are the people who talk about Marvel movies, all they have to say is all these movies suck now. I I think that's a downfall of content about content more broadly. Heck, Reality Steve has made a lifetime out of following Bachelor stuff. For years and years, I used to read his blog back when I first started watching The Bachelor in like 2012. For what it's worth, 
I do find it in poor taste for Bethany Beale to constantly be posting about how much money she's making. I understand that her highlighting her own continued success and like financial success from She Works Smart using the techniques that she is selling, that's part of her business model. And I also think that something that goes over the head of a lot of people is that in evangelical culture, if you're in a ministry, if you have a business that is either Christian or Christian adjacent, like Bethany does, and you start making a lot of money doing it, it's a sign that the Lord is blessing you and you are encouraged to show off to others so that they may see the proof of God's blessing. We can ask whether or not that's consistent with what it says in the Bible, because that's kind of dubious. Because to me, you know, somebody who grew up in a culture where you do just not talk about how much money you have or how much money you make, it seems garish. But to some branches of evangelical Protestantism, Protestantism, excuse me, it is normal. So to me, I don't see it as that different from when YouTubers or other content creators, when you see people say, I've set a goal to make it to 500 Patreon subscribers by the end of the year, help me achieve this goal, which I've always thought was like weird phrasing, but apparently people respond to it. And to some extent, like a lot of celebrities are very braggadocious about how much money they have. So I think the reason I still have a problem with this from Bethany is that I believe she's veering into MLM prosperity gospel territory. And I'm going to explain. Let me lay that out for you. So Bethany claims that she made this course on how to make courses and sold thousands and thousands of dollars worth of courses. I see this all the time on the internet. I get ads for stuff like this all the time. There are even people I wholeheartedly like, respect, and recommend online that sell courses. Erica Smith Sex Ed on Instagram, for example, somebody that I recommend to people, survivors of purity culture, people who are getting out of purity culture all the time. She sells a course, um, multiple courses on her website. And I get ads all the time for use this particular service to set up your course and you'll make $30,000. Do this thing and you'll make a bunch of money online. Here's how to drop ship things on Amazon. I get sponsored ads for stuff like this. In the economic environment of 2023, 2024, we live in, there's a lot to be said for the gig economy turning the corner into hustle culture. There's a lot to be said about a society where you do have to have a job and multiple side jobs and hustle to make sure that your family gets housed and fed. And I'm not going to get into that right now. When we talk about Bethany, here's what I see. She says that she made and sold this course and she sells it to other people. And it is the easy breezy way to make money as a mom. Here I am playing at the park with my kids and I've made $800 since I've been here. I think there are parts of this story that she is leaving out that change the narrative. Bethany has access to an abundance of free childcare through her mom and her sisters. She has financial stability already through her husband's job. Her husband is a graphic designer and can help her physically make the course that she has created. She, um, he is also, by her testimony on the internet, supportive of her with childcare, with household tasks, with participating with her in the creation of this course. She, we also really have good reason to think that she has cleaning services that come clean her house, which is something that 
it totally do not shame for people who can afford it. But the fact is that not everybody can afford that. She also has, most importantly of all, a huge established social media following with an abundance of people to pitch this course to. When we did the math a while ago, um, I estimate that one to two percent of her She Works Smart followers bought this course. If you have a hundred followers and one to two percent of them buy your course, you are not going to make a hundred thousand dollars. Bethany's the the people who follow the She Works Smart account may have few or even none of the things that I just listed. I think Bethany is selling a course to people who are never going to make their $850 to $1,900 investment back. I don't think someone without a huge social media following is ever going to have success with making a course and selling it the way that Bethany has. She portrays herself on social media, whether intentionally or not, to be a person who has no idea of the struggles that other people might face. She portrays herself to be a person who would care if she knew the obstacles that other people face. She portrays herself as someone who genuinely believes that anybody who buys her course course is going to make tons of money. And I question whether that's true. And I genuinely mean that I question. I'm not specifically accusing her. I truly could see the reality being that she is naive and she thinks that anybody who makes a good course is going to sell it and make the kind of money that she has and is just not thinking about, oh, they don't have 30 something thousand followers to pitch it to. And I could also totally see the reality being that she knows full well that she's selling a product that will turn out to be useless for most of the people who buy it. I truly don't know which one is the answer. There are some things that could make this way less of a prosperity gospel red flag for me. Um, Bethany could present alternatives and teach how to get things done with small kids around. I wrote the script for this segment of my course while my kid played at the park, and then I had to film it later once he was in bed. She could teach more about how to build a large social media following. She could sponsor or mentor certain people and put them on her account to build up their following. Just spitballing the first few ideas that hit me. But I think there are things she could do to make me question less whether she knows she's selling a product that will turn out to be useless for a lot of people who buy it. I think that is entirely valid and fair criticism. You know, when you see those people on Instagram that are like, we just, I just bought my first house at 23 and it turns out their parents bought it. Mm -hmm. And some of those people are kind of convinced in their own mind that this was something that they did. It's like a born on third base thing. You hit a triple. Right. And some, sometimes people are, are just misinformed and kind of think that's reality. And then later in their life, maybe reality hits them upside the head. And I really cannot tell which one Bethany might be. Yeah. That reminds me of like when I worked at Subaru, when we worked at Subaru, Part of the time when I was there, when my desk area before they set that up in the back hallway with no windows, I would do my paperwork thing that I would do at the front desk. And I had this customer come in. We were just talking, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, I just got back from where?" What he he said he said I just got back from Korea, and I said, "Oh man, I would love to visit Korea." And he was like, "Dude, you should just go." <laughs> right. 
I'm like, I like, I, I, I can't have to work. He's like, take time off. And I'm like, I can't afford to go to Korea. I have to make money in order to like, he's, it's just money. And I'm just like, yes, you know, and that guy wasn't being like, yeah, he was being a jerk, but he did not understand that he was being a jerk. No, he didn't know. And he was, he like pulls out his phone. He's like, no, dude, you gotta go. I was kind of stoked to see his pictures from Korea because it looks like a cool place to visit. (laughs) You know, like he, he just like kind of oblivious. That being said, I think that like everybody has something that they're good at that could be turned into a marketable skill. For example, when we started podcasting, we didn't have to purchase any of the new equipment because we were both musicians. And I took yeah, on I the job of you bought a microphone. The I USB, also bought a cheap USB microphone. I also bought a microphone, but not until like later, um, until I decided that I wanted one that oh, was- Oh, I uh, didn't record my first couple. You're right. I didn't record my first couple episodes on a microphone. I was using Jonathan's work headset. I completely forgot about that until you brought that up. But it was very much a situation of like, let's record something to make sure that the content is good. And then if the, we'll figure out the audio stuff later. But like when it came to actually, like I had at least- because of of music stuff i had the capabilities to record if i wanted to but like i took on the job of editing because i had the time and resources to do it uh because it was pandemic and after several months of not knowing what the fuck i was doing when i was editing a podcast i finally got kind of good at it but i didn't start out with the skill and i had to learn by doing it say you were like a little girl and you ask taylor swift how do i be just like you and taylor swift says something like practice guitar every day and then I would stand up and I'm just like, well, actually, Taylor Swift's dad invested $300,000 in the record. Like, I'd be a hater. And I guess the $300,000 thing, that is like a valid point that people can make about Taylor Swift that uh, what would her career look like if her dad yeah, had but- invested $300,000? Like- <laughs> yeah, but what would her career look like if she didn't practice guitar every day? That's true. And I think a lot more people, when I was doing music full time, the number of people that thought that they could just kind of come in and start throwing money around and think that that would get them success right away you know there was a a number of people that thought that they could just do that and those were the people who everyone was just like oh god this guy i mean i guess i'll play a show with you because it's you know it pays money but like you know you have you haven't done the work and you don't really have this the juice and you have kind of like a you can tell from your stage presence that you kind of think you're something that you're not you think that you you don't like know where you are and you don't know your audience you're just kind of up there like look at me rather than trying to relate to people what i think i'm trying to say is unless bethany beal is actually saying buy my course and you will make 100 to 100,000 dollars a year doing this <laughs> to me the way she marketed her course was just take time off and go to korea bro I mean, I think that's fair. I think we just see different things in it. But also, I think that maybe you're right because you spent more time in this culture and you understand it more than I do. And you understand the mindset. Don't you think us seeing different things in it is more interesting than discussing the relative crust level of her butthole? Oh, God. I just, I just, I think it is. (sighs) I think when people who were previously all toxic and awful don't apologize for the toxic and awful but show small signs of becoming less toxic and awful you can black and white thinking and and believe that they are all bad until one day they become all good and move the goalpost so that they will never be able to become all good 
or you can have actual meaningful conversations about ethics, which is kind of what we've been doing here. I take responsibility <laughs> for this episode because I just finished watching The Good Place for like the fourth time. I was just watching The Good Place too, and I have um, in the third segment, um, I have some where are ethics you, stuff. Where that- are you in the show right now? Oh, no, I finished it like a couple oh, okay. weeks ago again. And I just I finished. Th- that's why this episode happened. I just finished it like two days before we sat down to record. The more that you've talked to me about this, the more I kind of feel like, well, left-wing people like us tend to have a weird relationship with money in that having money in relation to privilege almost feels like something that people don't really know how to navigate that. I don't really know how to navigate that either. Well, it it all, to me, it goes back to black and white thinking. And it's, I feel like it's really easy to overcorrect from black and white thinking to other forms of black and white thinking. Um, you'll, you'll hear people say there's no such thing as a middle ground. And on some things there isn't. On LGBTQ people's right to literally exist, there isn't a middle ground. I'm not interested in finding middle ground on this issue. It, it is an on and off switch, but that concept can lead you to not be willing to talk about gray areas where there actually are gray areas, like Bethany Beale. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, it is so interesting to me to jump into all of that and try to figure it out and be okay with not having a consensus between the two of us dinks talking on the internet about people that we don't know. Like, in perspective, this is a person we don't know. My life has been pretty significantly affected, not by Bethany or not by Girl Defined, but by people like them, people who preach the same things that they preach. Your life has been pretty much unaffected, at least directly, by people like this. And we're just two people talking about a person that we don't know on the internet. I think the discussion it's led to is a lot more valuable than any opinion that you or I hold about Bethany Beale. That was very well said. Why don't we go to break and then we'll come back and kind of wrap up um, and talk about the state of fundy snarking. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, we are back from our break. Fundy snuckers in the house tonight. Everybody just have a bad time. Can I link you a Reddit thread that I saw? Sure. Um, on the Fundy Snark Uncensored subreddit. Um, and I have the link to it right here. Um, the title of this thread is, Do You Think the Fundy Snark Community is Too Gentle on Someone? Which is an insane thing to post on the internet. And there's like a list of four people on there. Hold on. Let me open this link. Um, there's a list of four people on here, including like Austin, Joy, Morgan, and Jana Duggar. And in reading this, I can't help but think that whoever is commenting on this and like upvoting this must be incredibly bored. Because you know, Josh is in jail. Ginger's book is out and she probably signed an NDA. So she's boring now. Jill stood up to Jim Bob, so she's a hero now, and she's, like, off-limits. I do feel like they got all the meat off of the wings and the drumsticks, and now they're trying to feed off of backs and talons. Like, if you're coming after Jana Duggar, like, she is, like, the ham hawk of snarkability. If you read the comments on a post like this, people are commenting on it and saying things like these people are fair game because they have crossed the line from being victims into a being abusers which i mean when i see people say stuff like that i do almost i do have to do kind of an eye roll when you ask if people are too gentle on certain people for example jill i don't think we ha- i don't think we have to choose between being too gentle and too hard on somebody you can read again the entire article that I wrote about <laughs> Jill. I don't. I don't think that needs to be a another black and white thing. Of oh, are we too are we too soft on somebody or too hard on somebody? Yeah. Do they deserve to be cyberbullied less, but not at all, or more than they are now, but not to the level of the pedophile? I mean, I don't care how much people <laughs> cyberbully him. He's he sucks. It could let, literally never be too much. Fundy snarking to me has honestly gotten a little bit bland because it's it's sort of become clear to me. Maybe it's always been clear, and I'm certainly not innocent of this. Like I remember, do you remember the mean joke that I made about Carissa Collins in the freight train back like two years ago? Yes, in the early days of the pop. I don't know, like especially with her lately. I've tried to ignore whatever it is that's going on with her because she's clearly kind of unwell, and a lot of the snarkers against her are definitely kind of racist. I think that a lot of fundy snarking, I would even say that like the gross two to one ratio of fundy snarking is just straight up bullying. Like if you have an issue with the doctrines that Girl Defined teaches, go for it, fair game. But pretty much everything that I see now is just like Obama tan suit level hating. Like, just ruthlessly bullying people for everything online, for, like, how they look, how they dress, what their voice sounds, what their makeup looks like. And it's people, like, I get the sense that, like, when I read some of these comments, I just feel like this person has a desire to be cruel to somebody. And they need an outlet for, like, 
cruelty that is in their heart and they have to justify it in their minds as being morally righteous so they'll put like a veneer of concern over it so they'll say oh this person is complicit in whatever crime against society suits their fancy and then make sure that they like pick a target that they see as having stationed above them so that it's sanctioned because punching down is never okay and punching up is always okay but like if they want to bully somebody who is beneath them or maybe dealing with extenuating circumstances and they'll do a ton of mental gymnastics and jump through a bunch of hoops to put that person on trial in their mind and then find them guilty in order to place them in a position of power above themselves so that it's okay for them to say whatever they want about that person and it's morally justified and it's like morally righteous i mean it's the same sort of thing that I mean, you remember the article with rich Juswiak when he reviewed counting the cost where he came at jill duggar for not disclosing the details of the sexual abuse at the hands of her brother, which was like one of the most traumatic experiences of her life. He came at her for wanting to have a relationship with her parents. A very normal human thing to want. He he legitimately criticized her for wanting to have a relationship with her parents after everything that they put her through, which is like not his, none of his business. He came at her for like the book being, quote, not well written, despite that it was written by somebody who suffered educational neglect. And I didn't really notice that it wasn't well written. Having read it, I thought it was fine. Like it was just, you know, average writing level for a celebrity memoir. I don't know. I just I just get the feeling that I don't feel like the average snarker is any better than Rich Juzwiak. And they can keep lying to themselves and telling themselves that they're different, but they're not. I just feel like so many of the people are just bullies and they enjoy hurting other people and telling them, telling themselves that they're righteous for doing it. I see something a little bit different. I think what we're really asking about is the internet as the public square and Hmm. how public does it, how public is your Instagram page? Is your Insta is if you do something on Instagram, is it the equivalent of doing it in your living room or in the middle of a shopping mall or on national TV? Because I said earlier in the episode, I feel like if somebody with a huge following makes um, super unsafe food choices, that it's okay for me to poke fun at them about that. But why do I feel, why do I feel justified? Why do I feel like it's okay for me to make fun of that? I think I feel that it's okay because I see the publicity of love, the publicity level of Bethany drinking raw milk on Instagram to be equivalent of her doing it on the home shopping network or local news, which are probably have a similar number of eyes as her Instagram page. And I feel, Oh, if somebody is doing something that is, obnoxious or dangerous on local news that I should be able to get on my CB radio or my public access television and say that they shouldn't be doing that and it's dumb or it's wrong or they should quit it. It, it I think maybe you are seeing that differently. I also think, you know, back we did a, an episode where we did the state of the snark probably over two years ago now. We talk, when we when we did our episode on Jill Rodriguez and we talked about what do we say about her children? What how ethical is it to snark on the Rodriguez children? How we felt back then was it is okay to to snark on somebody's choices. 
the way that if somebody has crooked teeth, that's not their choice. It's not something they can automatically immediately choose to fix in most cases. Somebody chooses to wear a really ugly color of lipstick, that is their choice. It is something they could easily choose not to do. And that's much more okay to make fun of. I I don't think this is, I think you're seeing this as a implosion of snarking. And I'm seeing it more as a every two to three years course correct that the whole snarking community does where we return more to making fun of things that people choose and have to remind ourselves that somebody's um, natural appearance is not something that should be snarked on. Things that people can't choose. Do you remember when, this is back when we worked for the Subaru dealership, we had a co-worker who was very mean to you. And yes. the one time she came in and she said, you look fat today. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Burned into your brain. I um, walked into the office this person did the like eyeballs like top to bottom back to top like where somebody like looks over your body or your outfit um and no hello no good morning you look fat today and went back to what she was doing and i cried a lot that is a very mean thing to say to somebody just rude but if she had said that outfit makes you look fat rather than you look fat today I mean, that would technically be snarking on your choice, wouldn't it? No, that's still, that's still rude. I mean, it's still rude, but that's still a choice that you make. Yeah, but when, outfit- we, when we... Okay, number one, when we snark on people online, um, I hope that we aren't talking about their weight, because I don't think that's um, a safer, okay topic to snark on. It would be totally different if she said, your hair looks weird today. That's very different than saying you look fat today. That's totally different. It's still rude, but that's a totally different thing. Also, when we snark on people online, we are not saying it to their face. I don't know if that makes it better. That's I don't like, know if it is, makes it better. I think it makes it different. Is it, is it worse to snark about somebody's weight than it is to snark about the supposed dryness of their butthole? I think yes. I, I personally, <laughs> really? I think with... I think with the prevalence of of eating disorders and diet culture, it is always it should always be off limits to snark on somebody's weight. Okay, I don't know. I, I and just, double that for fundamentalist women because of how bad it is in there. I'm not trying to come for you personally, Gabby, too hard. If snarking feels like it's over for you or for anybody else who might be listening, I think in my perspective, regardless of whether or not snarking is dead for you personally, commentary is still valid and useful. So we talked about, oh, Jill, we can't snark on Jill now because she stood up to Jim Bob and now she's off limits. Um, And I wrote an entire article on it. I do think it's unethical to make fun of Jill for a spelling error on Instagram, for example, because she's a victim of educational neglect. If she misplaces an apostrophe, I am not going to make fun of her for it. I'm just not. It might have been autocorrect. I I also think it's cruel and despicable to make fun of her for having a hard time wearing pants for the first time. But Jill is a public figure. She puts her life on the internet. She is aware of the number of social media followers that she has. She is aware of the number of eyeballs on her posts. 
I think it's okay to gently poke fun at Earth Mama Jill behavior. We understand Jill coming out and being a little bit crunchy, wearing her headscarves and her peasant skirts as a deconstruct. It is a deconstruction thing that she is doing. Um, I think we should, should, um, I don't know. I think we should be a little gentle, but I don't think there's anything wrong with poking fun at it. And if Jill starts doing unsafe canning and posting about it on Instagram, I'm going to call it out because you shouldn't be promoting botulism to thousands and thousands of people. So backing up to Bethany, I'm not as concerned about the snark as you are, but I think commentary is so much more valuable. Bethany lives in Texas. It's been a battleground state for LGBTQ rights and women's rights. Over 80% of our listeners by our most recent metrics would fall into at least one of those two groups, women or LGBTQ people, and many are both. Bethany's content is by and for the people who are fighting on the other side of the battle for my rights, most of our listeners' rights. So if snarking is dead for you, I can see why you'd say that. I don't, I'm not here to disrespect your take or your feelings on snark, but I don't think we can afford for commentary to die with snark. I think that would be completely unacceptable. The commentary is still a fantastic tool that is being used to fight against, to fight in that battle for people's rights and people's lives. The ethical conundrum comes because snarking on details of a person's life can so often be a gateway to learning about the deep roots of the religious beliefs and the political beliefs that are incredibly relevant, especially to those of us who live in the United States. So, like, I, I just keep coming back to the the conversation we were having earlier about with your family and the food and the, you know, it would have made it a little bit better. And we had a conversation about this off the air that, like, I I would have absolutely f***ing hated that, like, deeply to the core of my being, and I would have not played that But Sadie, you know, she has a family dynamic where that's fine. Yeah, it, it's equal opportunity. Everybody gets picked on for something. Um, and it's, it feels like love. Hmm. Yeah. So like there's like, so there's a good, a a such thing as good old fashioned, like ribbing somebody. And then there's a difference between ribbing somebody and just being a hater. Like there's a difference between, like you were saying, fair commentary where saying this person is a public figure. So therefore anything there's a, there's a difference between fair commentary and then saying this person is a public figure so therefore anything I say about this person is fair game. Like I think it's the difference between saying I think Bethany's teachings about sex contribute to purity culture and then saying this bitch can't which is what people are saying about her on the internet when she's like trying to give sex advice to people she's like this girl she's never in the entirety of like it's just like how the do you know that and why is that okay for you to say about somebody the more this butthole is dry type hating ass comments i see the less seriously it makes me take legitimate criticism of her brand of evangelicalism because it reveals the lens of extreme bias through which her critics view the content that she produces. If that's the type of thing that somebody says about her when she has a valid point, how can I possibly take seriously 
the criticism that somebody might have on the stuff that she gets wrong. I, the, the thing I keep coming back to is when, is when we talked about the stages of moral development with, Sh- with Shoshana. Because like the first stages take you through what is legally allowed. And yes, you do have freedom of speech to say whatever it is that you like on the internet. But the post-conventional stages of moral development, the fourth and fifth stage of, I mean, the fifth and sixth stage of moral development, take you to the idea of what if everybody did that? Because, like, does this mean that everybody who has an Instagram profile set to public and speaks out publicly about any issue is therefore a public figure and a valid target? Like, if I don't like what you have to say about this issue, can I now mock your appearance, mock your job, mock what you spend money on, speculate on whether or not your shits are solid or liquid, and set up an internet forum where I and other like-minded individuals speculate on what you may or may not choose to insert into your own butthole? Like... Legally, I could. There would be no recourse unless my mocking came to action or demonstrable damages. But I don't think that would be a morally justifiable thing for me to do. I think that would just be like a pre-death Eleanor if you're in the good place. I don't know, man. Like, if you're a snarker, maybe get into the real housewives. Maybe focus the energy on, like, tacky rich people whose problems are not real problems. Um, who, like, knew what they were signing up for when they agreed to be on Bravo is my thought. Um, I feel like about every three years, this snark community goes through this stage of, oh, wait, maybe we've been a little toxic and we need to renegotiate what is snark and what isn't. And I don't think I have the answers to all of that, but I'm really glad I get to be part of the conversation. And I think I've made my case for why Bethany is still a valid topic of conversation and commentary. Um, I am going to reference a scriptural topic, so those who don't want to hear it, skip ahead a little bit. But there's there's this idea in the New Testament of edification. And something that is edifying is informative. It builds you up. Um, it contributes something to your mind or to your community is a, a very vague, wishy-washy definition of, of edification. And I think if we had a non-religious concept sort of similar to that for snark, we'd be in a good place. I think there is snark that is edifying because it interests people in learning more about car seat safety or... <laughs> The toxic beliefs that are causing women and LGBTQ people to lose rights in the United States. I think there is snark that makes us better people, or that at least doesn't harm us morally. And I think there's snark that's snark that's not edifying that makes us worse people for having said it. I don't think I get it right every time, and I certainly don't want to pretend that I'm some kind of authority, but that's where my heart is when I'm talking about snark things, because I I do think there is a level that is edifying and a level that isn't. I guess in conclusion, I hate all of you for making me a Jewish man come on this show and defend a woman who talked about how proud she is of her grandfather who was a Nazi war criminal. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> because I take no pleasure in doing so. Uh, I feel like our listeners will either love this episode or hate this episode. Yeah, they'll either love it or hate it. I mean, the thing is that we disagreed on something. And if they want to hate me for my take, then that's fine because I'm used to it. Who knows? Maybe people will agree with you and hate me for my yeah. take. It could happen. I like. I get what you're saying about the edifying thing. I just don't see who the dryness of Bethany Beale's butthole. I don't see how that is edifying to anybody, um, or why that is a valid conversation on the internet. <laughs> see, to me, that is that wasn't my comment. Um, I was not involved in that comment chain, and for my personal religious and moral reasons, I actively try not to pass judgment on things like that because i don't need to like i don't need to make a judgment call on that it doesn't involve me and um it frees me up to worry about my own stuff i'm so mad that we had i'm not mad that we had to make this episode i'm mad that i had to defend bethany beale that you all were so unhinged that you made me defend bethany beale (laughs) i kid but i also don't kid i will never forgive you and maybe jesus will though I think this we is, just need some new snark subjects and we'll be fine. Yeah, uh, this has been the Leaving Eden Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen. You can find me on Instagram, I guess, is the only social media I'm really using, at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Facebook at Leaving Eden Podcast. Um, Sadie, your socials? You can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music, on Twitter at Hell Yeah Sadie, and on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys have a great day. Bye bye. <laughs>